Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 22. And uh, we've been going through this study in the book of Luke, and we're going to read a lot of scriptures today. So uh, I may get reading really fast. Uh, hope, hopefully they can stay with me on the screen, and you can too. I don't want to lose uh, anybody, but um, we do have a lot to cover to try to get this in. But we're going to look at this event that changed the course of all human history. Uh, we've been singing about it. We've been praising the Lord about it this morning. Uh, but the resurrection changed human history uh, forever. And I know it's changed my life, changed many lives in here. Again, as Brother Jeffrey said, it changed a life this morning, uh, right after our communion service. But uh, Jesus, in our, in, our, in our study, has just been betrayed by one of his 12 disciples. His name is Judas, and he traded this allegiance, he traded this relationship, he, traded, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the question that I was, I was asking last week was, you know, what does it look like for, for us today in 2018? Uh, maybe many people have turned their back on the Lord. Maybe people have rejected. And, and, and for what? What have, we ter- what have people turned their back on Christ for? What have they rejected him for? And so I want to I pray. I'm going to jump back into this study and see what the Lord has for us this morning. See what... The resurrection means, it means a lot of things, but we'll see at least three simple points this morning uh, about what the resurrection means. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time again. We thank you for uh, loving us so much that you would send your son to die in our place for our sins. And God, that that just never gets old, that never gets um, light. It's such a heavy and amazing thing that you would love us that much. Uh, you would pay the price. Lord, we realize that we can't do it. We, couldn't have never, we could have never done it ourselves. We couldn't pay the price for our own sins. And so the fact that you loved us enough to do it is, is an amazing thought. But we realize that you also uh, didn't stay in the grave. We realize that we have uh, this amazing hope. We have eternal life because you're alive. You, you offer life to all that would believe in, in you. And so we're so thankful for that. So thankful that we get to rejoice and celebrate that today. God, I thank you for all of our, our church family that's here, all of the friends and guests that are uh, with us this morning. And I pray that through this service and through this message, you'd be glorified. Lord, that your will is accomplished. And as we look through this, God, our hearts would be stirred and we would be excited about what you, Almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has done for us. And I pray that our response to your word and response to the resurrection uh, would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, as your people, uh, we, would, we would take it. And we would, again, respond rightly. We ask you to bless now, and we'll praise you for this as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 22, we're going to pick up in verse 54. Again, if you have your Bibles, get ready to turn fast. If not, we're going to jump and start reading and follow along on the screen. It says, Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, which is such an interesting thing, right? Because uh, the culture is a little bit different, but imagine going... Um, being under trial or being, you know, investigated and wrongfully tried and wrongfully uh, persecuted, but they brought him to his house. Why didn't they bring him to uh, the, the governor, first of all? Why didn't they take him to a public court to where, again, it was right for them to take him? They took him to the high priest's house because they were doing this illegally. This was an illegal trial. This is illegal actions that were being taken. 
Nevertheless, they take him to the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off, which is, again, an interesting thing because Peter had just told Christ, look, I, 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 there's no way I would deny you. There's no way. And so, uh, again, this is what uh, I'm, and Jesus is going to get to that point, I'm sorry, and, and, and tell Peter that you're going to deny me, and it's going to happen before the cock crows three times. Uh, but Peter was, was, was ready to go to death for Jesus. He's going to declare that in just a second. But he's fallen afar off. And when he had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, they were set down together. Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly look upon, looked upon him and said, This man also uh, was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And in about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, because he's a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. Again, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And this is when he was reminded of the things that Jesus had already said, how he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me three, uh, three times. Look what happens in verse 62. Peter went out and wept bitterly. I don't, I don't, I try to put myself in this situation many times before. Um, you know, the Lord has forgiven all of us of a lot of things, but can you imagine looking in the Savior's eyes after you, you had told him already, there's no way I would deny you, there's no way I'd leave you, I'd go to death for you. And then the moment that you, you're, you're kind of put on the line, you fail miserably. And again, I know that all of us in, in this room could, could stand and say, Look, I, there's been a lot of times that I've failed miserably. Staring into the Lord's eyes, Jesus looking back, and, and Peter remembering, this is exactly what Jesus said I was going to do. Now, that's not something that Jesus rejoiced in, but Jesus was letting Peter know, this is what is going to happen in your life. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? Again, can you imagine seeing this? This is, this is the Jesus that has uh, forgiven the woman at the well, who has uh, healed the blind, who has uh, recovered the sick to their, uh, the, the dead, and, and, and done all these amazing miracles. People have witnessed this, and multitudes have followed him. And, and now this, this great man, in their eyes, is being blindfolded and mocked. They take turns, and they, go, they come up to him with his blindfold on, and they smack him across the face, and they, they hit him with a, with a closed fist and an open hand, and, and they say, hey, if you're a prophet, if, if, if you're the Son of God, if, if you're the Messiah, if you know all things, tell us who it is that just smacked you in the face. A very humbling and, and, and embarrassing moment for our Lord is, is, is taking all of this. And it goes on to say in verse 65, many other blasphemous things spake, or things blasphemously spake they against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him to their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. Again, in this act of mockery, again, let's talk about this, this illegal nature of what they're doing. It was nighttime. It wasn't even daytime yet. And as it becomes this new day, they say, all right, now we've got to come out of the cover of darkness and we've got to do things right, you know. They begin to ask him, hey, you, you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one that, that Scripture tells us? To? I mean, come on. Look at yourself. You're beat up. You're blindfolded. You don't have power right now. Tell us. 
And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. And you know, something that's amazing is Jesus knew that these, these people who were trying to put him to death, they weren't going to receive him. They already had their minds made up. They already had their hearts made up. My prayer this morning is that there's not anybody in this room that's like that. You already have your mind made up, already have your heart made up about Jesus. There's a lot of people in this world that do. They think that I already know the stories, I already know that religion. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this is God in the flesh who is walking. And he, was coming, he came to this earth and he's enduring this mockery. He's enduring this, 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 these beatings and, and all these things. And at any moment right here in, in, in our study, he could have done anything to stop what's going on. But we see the love and the grace of our Lord in this moment. These people that were literally taking him to his death. He was telling me, you know, if I were to tell you anything, you wouldn't believe me anyways. My prayer is that every person in this room, that your heart is open to who Jesus is. It goes on and it says this, Then said they all, Art thou the Son of God? I mean, are you the Christ or the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. It's coming out of your mouths. And they said, what, what need any more, uh, we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. And this is something important. I didn't get to finish last week's message, but I, I just wanted us to understand something important about what we see right here is that, that Christ walked this path for and before us. This is something that he walked ahead of us. This is something he walked in our place See, every single one of us, the Bible says, is, is born in sin. Every single one of us have sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. If we've ever said a lie, we've sinned. We've broken God's law. If we've ever borrowed something and didn't give it back, we've broken God's law. We can go on and on and on. Every single one of us has, has broken the law of God, and the Bible tells us that that is sin, that the transgression of the law is sin. And so, well, man, who, who could be good enough to go to heaven then? Nobody. And that's what the Bible says, that there's none righteous. No, not one. And so the fact that our Lord, who is holy and sinless, without fault, would come to this earth and walk this path before us is an amazing thought. That he would live a sinless life and, and he would go before us, taking all of this pain, taking all of this shame, taking all of this punishment and this beating and all this mockery, all of the things that we deserve, taking it in our place is a, is a phenomenal thing. It's a phenomenal thought. Remember, he had just warned his, his followers that if they chose to continue to follow him, that they would suffer persecution, that, that the world would hate them, that they wouldn't fit into the world, that they would be persecuted, they would be put in prison, that their own family would betray them, that many of them would even be put to death. And now he's walking this path before them, showing them it's worth it. So many people today think that, man, if I give my life to Christ... My life better change instantly. I mean, I better have money. I better not have any sicknesses. I better not have any problems in this life. If I give my life to Jesus, my life better be like awesome. <laughs> and I want to say this morning, if you give your life to Christ, your life is awesome. But I will say this. It doesn't take away all of the sicknesses. It doesn't take away all of the hurt. It doesn't take all the, way, the, all the, the struggles and even maybe financial problems. 
having Jesus Christ in your life doesn't, doesn't necessarily do away with all those things, but here's what it does. It gives you help through all those things. He gives you help through all those things. Not only that, he gives you assurance that one of these days, whenever you close your eyes in this temporal world, that's all going to be over anyways. That's, that's, that's a lot of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But again, his gain would be eternal. It would be worth it for him to walk this path of, of, of shame and, and, and reproach for us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, that who for the joy that was set before him. And what's the joy that was set before Jesus Christ before his death? The fact that he would have a church. The fact that he would have people that were in his eternal kingdom with him. And so is our gain, again, when we follow him in obedience. But in chapter 23, back on our text, we move forward. It says, And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting or misleading the nation. This guy's been out there misleading the whole nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. Now, if you've been here and you've been going through the study with us, you know that that's a 100% lie. Jesus at no point has told anybody not to give tribute or not to pay their taxes to the government. Jesus never said that. Matter of fact, when they tried to pin Jesus in this issue, he said, well, whose face is on that, 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 that penny there? And he said, Caesar. And then he says, well, give to Caesar what Caesar's and to God what's God's. Jesus never said, don't pay your taxes. Some people went, man, <laughs> wish he did. They, they begin to say this lie, saying that he's, he himself is Christ the king, and Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said, Thou sayest it. Again, he said that to the, the high priest, and now he's saying it to Pilate. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and the people, I don't find any fault in this man. I mean, he may be crazy. He may think he, he's the king. You guys are Jews. You want to kill him. He's claiming to be your king. I mean, he may be crazy, but I, I don't see any fault in him. Nothing, nothing to put him to death for. And they were with... And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. He's causing problems in the culture. Hey, hey, Pilate, you know, if this becomes a bigger problem, your job may be in jeopardy. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged in the Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was at Jerusalem at this time. That, that's the way that government works, right? They just pass the buck, right? And that's what Pilate just did. He said, hey, hey, he's a Galilean. That's not my deal. That's Herod's deal. You know, Herod's in town. Let's send him to Herod. Let him deal with it. And as soon as he knew uh, that he did that, he, he, he sent him over to Herod. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad because he was desirous to see, if, see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him. And he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Herod, now Herod wasn't interested in, in Jesus changing his life. Herod wasn't interested in giving his life to the Lord. Herod wasn't interested in any of those things. Herod was thinking, the circus has come to town. I, I can't wait to see this miracle. This is Jesus. I mean, I, I've heard that, that blind people have received their sight. And, and people who were lame from their mother's womb have, have actually got up and started walking. And I've, I've heard that he's actually brought people back from the dead. I want him to do something for me. I'm Herod. Herod, we're not going to get into who Herod was, but Herod was very, very, very about himself. And uh, he was very interested in what Jesus could do to, you know, entertain him. I, I, want, I want some entertainment. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. 
Herod asked Jesus many things, and, and Jesus didn't answer. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught. They, they, they disrespected him. They began to disrespect him in front of everybody, and they mocked him. And they arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. Now think about this again. Jesus has been mocked. He's been blindfolded. He's been hit. He's, he's been, hey, tell us who, who, who just hit you. And, and, and now sent away to Herod. And Herod has, has, has this authority. And he's like, okay, I don't really see anything wrong with him. Uh, but let, let's, let's have some sport with this guy because he's not answering any of my questions. He's not doing any of these miracles I wanted him to see. So if, if he thinks he's a king, let's make him a king. Let's put a robe on him. Let's, 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 let's do all these things. And again, disrespecting the Lord. On the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together. For before this, they were at enmity between themselves. I want you to note this. The enemy has always been good about rallying his people against God. And he still does it today. The the enemy knows how to uh, divide even churches. Which, which is a, a, a crazy thought. I mean, if we look in the world today and we think when we see an army, we expect an army to be 100% on the same page because when somebody is found not to be on the same page or to, to, to be found treacherous, they're removed. I mean, they're, they're, and there's stiff penalties for that. The same thing for, for a sports team. If somebody's not 100% on the team, they don't need to be on the team. But here's the thing. Again, the enemy of God, Satan, has been very successful at rallying the troops against the things of God. And that's what he began to do here. Verse 13, And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Look, you've brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I've examined him before you. I've asked him all these questions in front of you. And lo, look at it. There's nothing worthy of death is done, is done unto him. He hasn't done anything that I can say, Okay, yeah, let's send him to death. And I will therefore, this is what I'll do. I'll chastise him, I'll beat him, and then I'll release him. And the reason why he was offering this to them is because it says in verse 17, it was necessary that he must release one unto them at the feast. At the Passover, it was required that a prisoner was, was, was set free uh, to the people. They cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. Now, who is this Barabbas guy? He's just somebody who was causing a riot in the city, really causing a riot in the city, and somebody who was a murderer, somebody who had killed somebody. Jesus hadn't killed anybody, and Jesus wasn't stirring up a riot against the Roman government. But Barabbas had. And you can see the the skewed perspective of these Jews here. They were like, look, get rid of Jesus. We don't want to see his face anymore. We We don't want him in our lives anymore. And give us the murderer. Give us the person who's going against the Roman government. It's amazing today that, again, the world would rather have chaos and death than to accept Jesus Christ still today. That's what the Jews were doing. They were saying, we don't want Jesus in our lives. We would rather have the chaos, the riots, and and the death. You say, I don't know anybody that wants that today. But the truth is this. There's a lot of people that are desiring joy, a lot of people that are desiring peace. And they want an end to the chaos and, and the death and all the junk that we face in this life. I mean, I say this to our church all the time, but you turn on the news and it seems like almost every day, whether it's a, a, a social problem or a, or, or a shooting or, or something, it seems to be chaotic in our world. 
And people are crying out, this is the solution. This is what we need to do. We need gun control. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. And I want to tell you this. The problem to the world's, the solution to the world's problem is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. Now, again, he doesn't take away uh, the, all the issues and the struggles, but he, he is the solution. But the world was crying out, and the world still cries out today, I believe. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Jesus is the answer, but we don't want him. Why, why does, does the world still want Barabbas today, and, and why does this, the world still want to reject Jesus? Because he imposes upon the life that they're wanting to lead. That's exactly what the, 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 the high priest and, and, and the Jews, the religious leaders in this time, the reason why they wanted Jesus so dead, the reason why they wanted him gone from their life is because what he was doing to their religion, to their way of living. He's changing everything. He's, he's, he's causing us to lose the authority and the power that we have in our lives. And he's saying that it's worth the trade. Verse 20, Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them, but they cried, uh, saying, crucify him. Pilate was trying to plead. Look, I don't, there's nothing wrong. We're going to kill an innocent man. But they continued to cry, crucify him, crucify him. And they said unto them the third time, why? What evil has he done? Why do you guys want Jesus dead so bad? I found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Look, I just can't kill him. I'll just, I'll, I'll just have him beat He'll go through the, 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 the cat of nine tails, the beating, and, and then I'll let him go. That, that'll, that'll be our deal. But it says that they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And look what happens. And he released unto them him that for sedition, the riot, and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. What a tragedy. Can you imagine Pilate's thought? Hey, I'm sure he was thinking this. Look, you guys are crazy. I'm going to release Barabbas. And as soon as he gets out there again, he's going to be put back in jail. This is a pointless exercise. Well, I'm going to release this criminal... We're going to kill an innocent man, and we're going to all have wasted our time and energy for nothing. But regardless, he said, you know what? These people are insistent. They're not going to give up, so I'll release the criminal, and I'll have the innocent man killed. Again, the enemy of God, Satan himself, is still the motivating factor today of trying to remove Jesus the Jesus that changes people's lives for the good. The enemy is still trying to remove Jesus in every way possible. And he deceives people today still as he was deceiving those religious leaders. They were religious leaders. He deceives people still today that if you accept Jesus, your life is actually going to be worse. You're going to have to stop doing the thing. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to give up this. You're not going to be able to do this. And so people reject Jesus because they don't want anything impeding their life. But I ask you a, a, a question today. How valuable is, is an eye to you? 
or both eyes? What what would you take for your eyes? Somebody came along and said, look, you name the price, and I'll, I'll give you the money, but you will no longer have your eyes. What would it take? I would argue, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe, maybe there would be somebody, but, but I would argue that there would be no one that would take that deal. When it came down to it, and you started thinking about how could I, how could I really enjoy the money, how could I really live life and, and, and enjoy these things if I didn't have my eyesight? And I don't really know that there's a value that I could place on my eyesight. I need my eyes. I've lived my whole life that way. Let's ask an even more important question. If your eyesight is priceless, you can't put an eye, couldn't put a price on your eyes, how much more valuable is your soul? How, how much more valuable is, is the soul that, that is you? See, these, these bodies are, are vehicles because at one point in time, the Bible says that every single one of us is going to go into a great grave and our, our bodies are going to turn to dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That, that's just the way it goes. When, when life leaves the body, our, our, our physical bodies go. But the Bible tells us that we have an eternal soul. And God showed the value of our soul to him by sending Jesus to go through all of this. You know, what, what price would, what would someone have to pay for someone's soul to live forever? And God answered that by sending Jesus, his son. That God himself would have to pay the price. Verse 26, and they led him away, and they, let, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and, they lay, they, uh, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turned and he looked at them, and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, because, behold, look, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never, never gave suck. Then they shall begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Jesus was saying, look, if, if the religious people, if the world is doing this with me present, here I'm God in the flesh, and if this is what's being done when I'm present, can you imagine how bad it's going to be when I'm not here? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they, were cru- they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right and, one on, and the other on the left, then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, as they don't know what they're doing. And they parted his raiments and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, look, he saved others. Let him save himself. If, if he's the Christ, the chosen of God, look, do, he can do it. He raised other people from the dead. If he's Christ, let him do this as well. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save yourself. Look, if you're the king, if you're the Messiah, if you're the son of God, you've got all this power, you've got all this authority, then save yourself. Come off the tree, rescue yourself. 
The superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. Which is interesting because the Jewish leadership didn't want Jesus to be their king. Again, Pilate looked, he's your king. They're like, he's not our king. And so ironically, they have this put above his name to mock the Jews, to mock Jesus, to mock God. This is the king of the Jews. He's hanging on a tree. He's dying. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. I mean, come on, put an end to this misery. But the other answered him, uh, answering rebuked him saying, that's not, not thou fear God seeing that thou art the same condemnation, condemnation. And we indeed justly, we're, we're dying for the things that we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss, done nothing wrong. And yet they're crucifying him. We deserve to die. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, truly, I say unto you, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Think about this. Just like that, this man's faith saved him. His sins in this moment were erased, and he was given eternal life to live with God forever. In that moment, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, who Jesus was. What an amazing thought. So he didn't go into the baptismal waters. No, he didn't. He, he, he didn't, he didn't attend, uh, attend a church service. He didn't give to the church. He didn't do any of these things. And yet he gets to go to heaven on his, on his deathbed. That's the amazing thing of grace. I don't understand it. I don't understand somebody who can, who can you know, from a child, be raised in church and get saved at, at, at four years old and, and live all of their life for the Lord and, 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 and get the same heaven as the person who, who never is in church and, and lives their life as a renegade and, and living their life however they want to live and, and, and committing all kinds of heinous sins and maybe even crimes and, and on their deathbed, say, Jesus, forgive me, tr I trust you. And they get the same heaven. I don't understand that. But that's God's amazing grace. And so maybe you're here this morning and you say, uh, you know, God couldn't forgive me. There's no way. All the things that I've done... Look, I know this, that this man was hanging on a cross for the crimes that he was done, he committed. He had committed crimes worthy of death. And remember, Barabbas had committed murder. Barabbas had, had caused a riot. And he was let go. And these guys are paying for their crimes by death. And Jesus said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Don't think that you've done too much. Don't think that you're too far for God to, to save. Don't think there's too much for God to forgive. And don't think that it's too late for you. On the flip side of that, don't wait. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, say, you know what, that, that guy was hanging on, his, on the cross. He was on his deathbed and he got saved. I'll just wait till my deathbed and then I'll get saved. But here's the thing. We don't know when that deathbed's coming. We don't know when that time's coming. Nobody knows. They say, I will know. Well, that's a chance you can take. But the reality is, is we're all going to be at that place. We just don't know when it's going to happen. It can happen for me as, as, as we're driving home today. It can happen for you as you're driving home today. It can happen later tonight. It can happen tomorrow morning. It can happen while we're sleeping. I have no idea. But the reality is this. We're not guaranteed that we can make that decision on our deathbed. Look on, and it says, and it was about the sixth hour, there was a darkness 
over all the earth in the ninth hour, and the sun was dark, and the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. Now understand this. It was only the high priest that could see into the holiest of holies in the temple. And right at this moment when Jesus' blood was shed and he died, he paid, for the, pri- paid the price for our sins, the veil was torn, and, we, and, and man, for the first time, could see, any man could see into the holiest of holies in the temple there in Jerusalem because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Hebrews chapter 10 tells us. 1 Timothy chapter 2 tells us that we have a mediator in this Jesus Christ. Back in our text in verse 46, it says, Jesus cried with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He died. The body died. When the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together uh, to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and they returned and all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off and they were watching all these things. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man. He was just. The same had not consented to the counsel and the deed of them. He, he, he wasn't consenting to Jesus' death. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. He was trusting God. This man went to Pilate and he begged the body of Jesus and he took it down off the cross they wrapped it in linen, laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein a man never before, uh, never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. So you can see what happens. Here's Joseph of Arimathea. He goes and he asks Pilate for the, the body of Jesus. He takes the, the, the body off, and he wraps it in linen, and he takes it to a, 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 a grave, a tomb that was hewn out in, in the mountain, the side of a mountain. And, and this is where they placed Jesus. Now, it was the Sabbath day, and so it was, the Sabbath was approaching, and so they couldn't work on the Sabbath day, so they had to do some things before the Sabbath day uh, b- began to, to come upon them. Verse 55, the woman also, which came from Galilee, followed after and looked at the sepulcher and how his body was laid. So this is evidence. They saw Jesus' body put into the tomb. They saw how it was laid. The stone was put over it. Soldiers were, were, were put at the guard. Uh, because the, the, the chief uh, priests and the, and the religious leaders, they were, they were saying, you know what? Um, they went to Pilate. Hey, can we put somebody and guard that tomb? Because his followers were talking about how he was going to rise again the third day. We just want to make sure that they don't try to, to, to pull a fast one on us. So let's put a guard there. Make sure nobody can move the stone. Nobody can steal the body. And we know that they did that. So the women, again, they go and they see how it's laid. They return, they prepare the spices and ointments and rested on the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Verse, chapter 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They were, they were gonna come and anoint the body of Jesus uh, for the decaying process. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Can you imagine that? This is, a, this is not a small stone, it's a large stone that was rolled over the door. The guard was set there. Uh, in Matthew's account, we know, it's ha- we know what happened. Brother Jeffrey read some of that this morning. Uh, that the angel appeared, said, hey, why are you looking from, for, the, for the living among the dead? And so he goes on and says this uh, similarly in, in, in Luke. Found the stone rolled away that entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth. They said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoken to you when he was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man has to be delivered in the hands of sinful men and crucified, and the third day rise again. Look, look at verse 8. And they remembered his words. 
and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the leaven, to all the rest of the disciples. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the mother and the mother of James and the other women that were with them, which told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, or in other words, nonsense. And they believed them not. Now put yourself in that shoes for just a second. We're about to close. We're going to get these three points real quick. Put yourself in their shoes. They, they, they walked in right before the, sa- the Sabbath day, and they saw where Joseph put the body and how it was wrapped in linen. And they saw the, 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 those soldiers roll the stone in front of the tomb, and they knew the soldiers were there. And as they went and they observed the Sabbath day, and they came back on the first day of the week, they had prepared all these spices. They were going to anoint his body. They were going to they, they take care of it there. And when they, they rolled up on the tomb, they realized something's changed. Something's terribly different here. Why is the tomb open, first of all, and where is Jesus? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the clothes that he was in, the linen that he, that he was wrapped in, is sitting there where his body was laid, but where is he? Again, the angel tells them, look, why are you looking for the, for the living among the dead? Remember what he told you. They go back and tell all the other disciples, look, we went there, tomb's empty, Jesus isn't there. We have no idea where Jesus is, but he's not there, and... The angel told us he's alive. What would you think? Well, now on this side of, uh, of the story, we think, yeah, I would have believed him. No, no, no. Put yourself in their shoes. Oh, boy. They must have not got very much rest on the Sabbath day. They must have, have they been smelling those spices too much? You know, these women may be a little bit, a little bit loopy, a little crazy. There's no way that's true. But Peter thanks wait a second i'm gonna go check it out i'm gonna go look what these ladies are talking about so he runs down to the sepulcher stoops down and behold the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed and look at this wondering in himself at that which was come to pass he went back home marveling at what had happened jesus saw the empty tomb he he began to think of all the things that Jesus had taught, even thinking back to, the, the, to the, the crucifixion where he had, right before the crucifixion, just denied Jesus. Peter's rehearsing all these things, and, and all this is starting to come to his, his mind. His body had no life. I know that. I, I, I know. I saw him on the cross. He, he was dead. This, this doesn't make sense. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. He was telling us these things. He was talking about all this. evidence along with the promise that Jesus gave the angels to the women all of this colliding together in Peter's mind and his heart and 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 for for that moment when he was thinking about these things just going back home it began to mean some things for Peter that it still means for us today and there in your notes I want you to, to, to write it down the first thing that the resurrection meant for Peter and that it still means for us today is that it's all true Amen. it's all true every single bit of it and so I said I'm not sure about Uh, all this listen the entire narrative all of the gospel every single bit of it is 100% true all the claims of Jesus about being Messiah about being the Lord about the Son of God all the miracles all of it is true see if 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 there was no resurrection if there is no resurrection then the the account of Jesus's um, uh, life and, and, and his death is is nothing better than a social experiment go, gone wrong. 
But we know that's not the case. You know, or a science experiment. Well, you've seen those stories where the kids are at a science fair, right? And they've got this volcano, and, and, and they're supposed to start it. And as soon as they start it, the, the lava is supposed to start flowing. But as the judges are there watching, and they're turning things on and trying to figure out why it's not working and why the lava's not flowing, and they get a failing grade, or they, they fail this, this experiment because it didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. That's not the case for Jesus Christ. That's not the case for what the Bible tells us is true. It's all true. It didn't fail. It wasn't an experiment. It was a reality. God's plan to redeem. The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what happened when Jesus came to this earth. Again, the resurrection means that it's all true. Right here, there's only one truth. And it's Jesus. He is Jesus. John 14, 6. Jesus said that. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's all true. No other person has risen from the dead by their own power. No other person. Many have claimed to be God. But only one is God. And they show that he's God. The Bible says that he's the express image of God. That who had seen Jesus had seen the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us that he was seen by the apostles and by many others for 40 days. And many people criticize the validity of the resurrection. I just don't know if I buy that Jesus was really a person and that Jesus really died and that Jesus really rose from the dead. I just don't know that. It's been criticized for thousands of years, but there are some problems with the criticisms. History tells us that it's a fact, that it's a, it's a truth. As I shared this morning, think about this. If, if it was a lie, if it was a hoax, and these disciples knew that it was a hoax, if the disciples knew that, that it was all a lie, that we're going to make up the story that, that Jesus rose from the dead, would these men, who had lives before Jesus, would they have given their lives knowing it was a lie? There's no way. There's no way. Now, people have died before not knowing that it was a lie, believing, but these guys, these women, they wouldn't have died torturous deaths sometimes if they knew it was a lie. The Apostle Paul was destroying the movement, and he gave his life for it. Number two, the resurrection means it's life for those who believe. When I say life, I'm not talking about on this temporal world, I'm talking about eternal life. The resurrection means that we have life for those who believe. His resurrection defeated death, it defe his, his death defeated sin, and his resurrection defeated death in the grave. Number three, the resurrection means there's hope beyond the grave. Maybe... Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you, you're struggling with what happens at death or what happens after death. The resurrection gives us 100% guarantee that there is hope beyond the grave. Jesus didn't stay there. He, he rose from the dead. And again, the Bible says in John chapter 11 that, that whosoever believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There's hope beyond the grave. 
1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And as the musicians make their way, I want to say this to you. Please listen. Maybe you're going through a struggle right now in your life. I want you to understand this, that trials don't have the final say in your life. What struggle you're going through right now, it doesn't have the final say. Circumstances don't have the final say. A disease that you may be battling right now doesn't have the final say in your life. A broken relationship doesn't have the final say. A lost job, a hopeless future seemingly on this, none of it has the final say. And, 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 And know this, the grave doesn't have the final say. The grave doesn't. The resurrection, again, gives us hope beyond the grave. It gives us life in this life for eternity. And you say, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it all. I, I want to share this with you. There's only one way to enter into that hope. There's only one way to enter into that life. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The, the, the religious Jews were just religious. They didn't have a relationship with God. They were going through motions. They were thinking that it was all these things they were doing that they were, they were going to satisfy the righteous requirement of God, and they couldn't do it. And they missed God right before them. They sent him to the cross. But again, he rose from the dead. John 10 is the close. It says this, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If you're, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Just tell us if you're the Christ. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And here it is. I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There's hope beyond the grave because of what Jesus did that third day. Because he got up from the grave, because death could not defeat him, the grave could not defeat him. He got up, and again, he gives us life. It's all true. He gives us life. He gives us hope beyond it all. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're a child of God, let's go out of this place and remember that we have eternal life, that we have hope beyond the grave, and we've got to share that with others because there's people out there that are living without hope. They're living in in, in depression. They're living in, in struggling in this life and not knowing where they're going. Let's go out and share it. And if you're here this morning, you say, I don't know that I have hope beyond the grave. I don't know that if I were to be one of those that got in a car accident and were to die today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I don't know that I have eternal life. If you're like that, I want to invite you. We already had one young lady this morning say, you know what? I want to go to heaven when I die. And she gave her life to Christ this morning before. And he said, I don't really know what that means to give my life to Christ. All I want to do is invite you to come. We're going to, we're going to have an invitation. People are going to come and pray at these altars. We're going to have a couple of men down here. And we're not going to embarrass you, make it awkward for you or weird or anything. But if you're interested, I want to know what, it's, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I'd like to know about having assurance for eternal life. I'd like to go to heaven when I die. If that's you, just come down here and let them show you in God's word. They'll, they'll take you aside. If you're a lady, we have some ladies that they can take you and they can show you in God's word And you can read it for yourself and see it for yourself. How you can have a relationship with Christ. How you can know that you're going to go to heaven when you die. That's something I think every person in this room would want. If I I had it in my hand up here and I said, look, there's two options for you. On this hand, it's eternal life. 
and this hand is eternal death. It's your choice you make. Which one would you take? I think every sane person in this room would say, I want eternal life. I, I, I don't want eternal death. I don't want hell. I don't want any of that bad stuff when I die. I'd like eternal life. If, if that's you and you've never done what it takes to get eternal life, come this morning and let us show you in God's word how you can have this free, it's a free gift. We just read how Jesus paid it all. He paid the price. He, he died on the cross. He, he went to the grave. He rose again. And because of all the things that he did for you, you can have that eternal life. So I want to invite you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, again, the amazing grace that you show us in our life. Thank you for this amazing gift of eternal life. Thank you for coming to this earth, paying the price for our sins. Thank you for going through all of the things that we deserve, the mockery, the, the beating, the death, again, for us. And we thank you for our salvation. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you the, that we know that it's all true because of the resurrection. Thank you because of the life that you've given us because of the res resurrection. And thank you for the hope that we have beyond the grave because of the resurrection. Lord, I pray you move now in this invitation. Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, they've, they've never given their life to you, they've never surrendered, they're not quite sure they're going to spend eternity, I pray that you'd move them this morning. They would come and they'd give their life to you. Receive that free gift of eternal life. And we praise you for what you do. We ask you to bless now in Jesus' name.